There we go. Good evening and welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show, this live video broadcast, every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I have guests who discuss some of the most interesting and novel and timely topics and challenges that employers and business owners are facing during these trying times. And in that regard, I'd love to welcome to the show this evening uh, a very special guest, Ms. Susie G. Miller. Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. <clears throat> Great to have you on, for sure. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's actually our first live show back in a little bit. Uh, part of that was from a nice, glorious two-week vacation, preceded, unfortunately, by a week or two of a COVID bout in the family, but all healthy and well, and ready to jump back in with some fresh live shows here. So I'm really glad, grateful that you're on this evening for a topic, and I'm going to um, just uh, tell our audience what they can expect tonight on the topic, uh, and then I'll give you a proper introduction, and then if all is well with you, we can engage in our lively discussion. Sounds great. All right, excellent. All right, so our topic tonight, folks, is <clears throat> combating ageism in the workplace. I think very timely these days. <clears throat> you know, Susan and I will be talking about the fact that hiring the right job candidate is a challenging task for any employer. And the decision of which person will fill a position, if done too hastily without proper vetting, that can lead to many headaches, including time spent in training and then firing and then searching for and training a new candidate. So it is no surprise that many companies are extremely selective in reviewing their candidates' LinkedIn profiles their resumes, and the cover letters. But with the changes in the workforce from the Great Resignation and the work from home movement, uh, as well as a potential recession, we're finding that many middle-aged and older employees and candidates are facing unique challenges of ageism in the hiring process. So the question becomes, what can you as a candidate do to combat the bias of ageism when applying for new positions or new jobs? Important question for companies to ask themselves as well. What are the latest trends in developing a winning resume? Are cover letters a waste of time or are they a valuable asset? And how do you build a LinkedIn profile to stand out during these challenging times? So tune in this evening when my guest, the very talented executive career services coach, Susie Miller and I discuss these issues along with tips for candidates for a winning chance of being hired. So usually we talk to the employers and business owners, but today, a special shout out, special attention to, to them, but also to the employees and candidates as well. <clears throat> and with that, I first want to, of course, give Susie the proper introduction that she deserves from her impressive background and time spent in this field. <clears throat> um, so my guest this evening, Susie G. Miller, uh, CPRW, CDCC, and CDP, a certified professional resume writer, a certified communication and behavioral consultant, and a certified DISC practitioner. is also a member of the Professional Association of Resume Writers and Career Coaches, also known as PARWCC. She's a DISC virtual coach and a recruiter. A lot of letters there, but they all represent a lot of hard work. She has uh, rather has advised companies <clears throat> on their marketing and branding for more than 35 years and now uses that knowledge to help hundreds of job seekers worldwide to control their career. For the job search, Susie helps executives reduce their time and stress by coaching them to reject most job postings and offers 
ensuring that they apply to the right job at the right time. She also evaluates leadership, communication, and soft skills to create better search materials to improve interviewing and to help executives better adapt to the new workplace. Uh, Susie understands hiring software, the hiring life cycle, and what companies want to see from candidates regarding their resumes, their cover letters, their LinkedIn profiles, their executive professional biographies, and career coaching. And for companies and corporations, that's the employers out there listening as they do each week, Susie reduces employee turnover, improves hiring practices, connects leadership to employees, and engages the workforce to improve the workplace culture, very important in these times. So employees at all levels can look forward to coming to work each day, and that's really a win-win for uh, the employer, I think, and the employee. <clears throat> so with that backdrop, Susie, let's do it. Let's jump right in. What do you say? Sounds good. Give me a question. Sure. All right. Question number one. Yes, you got it. Um, question number one is what I often ask most of my guests, which is, Tell us a bit more about yourself, Susie. Mainly, what drew you to the world of executive coaching uh, and career coaching? And what prompted you to start your own business? Okay, so I've been a marketing writer and a business writer for about 35 years. Um, and one day, a, a career agency came to me and said, write for us, write resumes. And I said, no, you're crazy. And I clicked delete. <laughs> and the second time they came to me and they said, we think you're a really good writer what we want you to write resumes. And I said, no, thank you. I'm good where I am. Click delete. After like 20 emails later, I finally said, okay, maybe they have something here. I'll try it. And the thing that happened was even before I had any methodology, even before I talked to any professionals, even before I knew what I was doing with resumes, as soon as I started writing them, every client got the job that they landed. So I started off with a bang and what, I noticed was that where I had been writing social media posts and I had been writing marketing material and writing website content, I find this to be much more gratifying. Mm -hmm. Helping someone out of their stressful situation to get their next opportunity, or even if they got fired to make sure that they could put food on the table, um, I got a lot of very positive responses and people were very appreciative of the success with the resume. So it started off with a bang when I, when I started doing it, started off positively right away. Then I started doing research. I started taking training. I started going to every single webinar I could and talking to others, doing the same thing. And I developed my methodology, which is kind of unbreakable now, which is cool. Wow. Interesting background there. Interesting, you know, situation. Um, I think it's great that they kept the company persistent. They kept, you know, persistently following up with you. And I guess they saw something there. So, and I like what you said about how you uh, felt satisfied. I'm kind of paraphrasing. Yes, you. it's very satisfying when someone comes to me. I mean, I mostly work with executives, but when somebody comes to me and says, mm -hmm. Susie, I need help. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I need to, you know, my, my severance is running out or, you know, whatever it is, I suddenly have a problem and they're stressed. If I can turn that around and make them confident and get them mm -hmm. what they need, that's gold. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's something about that I find interesting, Susie. It's like different types of, you know, jobs serve different functions. They're all important, all valid in their own right. But the type of job, let's say, that you and I respectively have, you know, where you can directly sort of see the fruits of your labor, see the help. They, it's like you see the 
immediate results at times for what you're doing for clients. Like I know that's very gratifying for me as well. I'm writing content, marketing, all great stuff. You know, many lawyers like, do you know legal research or policy work for the long run. And that's great. But I know like today I talked to a client, we hashed out a strategy for you know addressing a frivolous lawsuit against their company. And I know that like, often when I you know say file uh, a response to the Department of Labor or help a company to form their operating agreement. There's that sort of immediate, you see their, their sigh of relief, they thank you, and there's some, some kind of result that comes about. So I hear you about that, and the, and the helping people, you really can't beat that, you know, interesting. Right, right. And actually, my favorite kind of client is the one that comes to me and says, <clears throat> I don't know what to do, I'm stuck, and they're a little bit angry. But anxious mm -hmm. and to get them to what they need it's just mm -hmm. i just love that i just helping people fulfill their dreams is really nice yeah you know later on the show when i asked my guests about sort of the method the unique methodology i would love to hear later on about some of those ways that you get those clients from anxious and stressed like you know to yeah. Uh, rewarded and calm and said, I, I see it on people's faces too. And I know that's a great feeling. I'm sure you do as well. Um, you know, talking about job seekers, I'm, I'm wondering my first question, or I guess my second question technically would be, so Susie, what is the number one mistake that you see job seekers make? Oh yeah. By far, absolutely no question. Using one resume to apply to all the positions and applying then using that one resume to apply to <clears throat> many positions and we're talking about people doing 150 applications in a weekend kind of thing mm -hmm. using one resume to apply to all positions and basing the application on just the title of the position mm -hmm. very ineffective inappropriate waste everyone's time but a lot of people do it hmm. interesting on the title of the position also so I suppose people want to either they they think it's more uniform, maybe they don't want to create a resume. They don't want to do the work. That's part yeah. of it. Is they don't want to have to adjust the resume for every application. With my resumes, you don't adjust the entire resume. You adjust only parts of it to hmm. fit the application. So you don't have to rewrite the whole thing every time. That would be insane. I mean, it, that's a waste of time. Yeah. So I, I coach my clients on how to only adapt specific parts of the resume to every application. And that's assuming they're applying to the right type of job. That's why I've spent a lot of my time coaching clients on reducing the number of jobs that they're applying to, because that takes time. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Sometimes, you know, less is more, right? And if you're not, I suppose, if you're not wasting time on the hearing you're saying on jobs that maybe aren't the right fit or will only lead to wasting time, rejection, and maybe perhaps some demoralization. Yes. Kind of focus on the better shots, I suppose, right? Makes sense. Yes. There are a lot of posts on LinkedIn now, <clears throat> mostly from middle managers, about yeah. how they've just had it. They've applied to jobs and applied to jobs, and they've just had it. And they think that with the great resignation, that there are more spots open. Therefore, they would have more <laughs> chance of getting a job. And right. yet there are so many posts on LinkedIn from people saying, um, I'm stressed. I can't take it anymore. I just got rejection after rejection. No one's telling me what's wrong. No one's telling me what's wrong with the resume. I'm getting no feedback. I just get rejection. I can't take it anymore. I don't know what to do. I'm running out of money. I see a lot of them. Yeah. You know, like I can see, I can imagine that must be hard to see. And I think you're right. People don't 
necessarily know what's wrong with the resume. They don't get that feedback right. from the rejecting employer because they don't have the time to say, well, you know, I thought this was too wordy or the format was off, but I suppose that's where you come in. And, you know, great to have that kind of as, as the, um, as the sort of the, the main mistake people make. We're actually, believe it or not, uh, at our first commercial break or a minute away, but I might as well take it now before getting into the next question. So with that, I'll just let our audience know. Once again, you're listening to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, uh, executive career coach and, and um, candidate uh, trainer, um, certified communication and behavioral consultant, Susie G. Miller. We're talking also about combating ageism in the hiring process. So when we come back, we'll talk more about the ageism and more about how the landscape's changed and what you can do to prep for your job search. So stay tuned on Talk Radio NYC. We'll be back in a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I am still Eric Sommers, the host of the show. My time tonight is slightly off. I'm after a few weeks off between vacation and other, other matters. But um, we're here tonight with Susie Miller talking about combating ageism in the workplace and about tips for job seeking searchers and, and job seeking, particularly for middle aged and older, older candidates. And, you know, Susie, when you talked about the, um, the mistake we make of using the resume for every position, or the way the fact that they don't get feedback and they're dismayed. It got me thinking on the break about how a lot of people approach the job search, just from what I've seen. I mean, it's been a while since I had to think of applying for jobs, but I do recall 
before starting my law firm, applying to many. And I think a lot of people I talk to have this approach of like, you know, mass kind of volume, just a, a, a sort of wide kind of, you know, thick growth uh, rate that was to a six or a massive buckshot and hitting every possible company at the number scale. But I imagine that if they're applying for positions that are not a good fit and if they're using the same resume without changing it, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results from insanity. And I think it must be so demoralizing, especially if they get a few hits, occasional interview, a second interview. So they think, okay, I'm just gonna do more of this. And I think what I'm hearing you saying is not necessarily do more, do it smarter, do it differently. Is that, is that yes. Right? So what I tell people is um, job seeking is not sales. Right. Sales depends on numbers. Yes. The numbers are a big part of that. Job seeking is more marketing and that's different. Marketing is making sure that your experience, when you're, when you're, when you're marketing yourself, it's about making sure that your experience addresses the pain point of the company you're applying to. That's a very, very different thing. And that's why it's not about numbers. It's about making sure that your experience as the leader, as the executive, your experience, your expertise, your value add matches what the company is looking for. And as a result of this, um, and we I mean, maybe going to get to this a little bit later, but I want to touch on it, is that because of the great resignation and everything that's come with it, um, companies are executive positions have become more project based. This means that what used to be longevity is the favorable thing. You've been at the company for 10, 20, 30 years. You've worked up the ranks. That makes you the better candidate. And in some cases, that's still true. But in a lot of cases, ever since COVID came and the great resignation, the leadership positions are more about solving a specific problem. Go in. It's a project-based. You go in because you have a specific talent, a specific value add. Go in, fix the problem on contract, and then leave. And then you go into the next one. So resumes for leadership look a little bit different these days because they're fixing a problem and then leaving. It's not necessarily about moving up the ranks anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that with companies too, you know, clients of mine in employment law issues that they face and we go through say the hiring for you know issues about discrimination. Um, but I noticed that there are a lot of people, to your point, who are hired for a six-month or 12-month duration to sort of pinpoint, as you said, a certain problem and then just, you know, problem solve and then move on. Uh, it's interesting because that was the next question for you. We're talking about in what ways the great resignations change the world of recruiting. But can they perspective, too? Like, I'm wondering what's changed in terms of how you evaluate and find the candidates and you know, how is the worker awakening brass factors to like attracting new employees? All right. So a couple of things have happened. The hiring cycle has gotten a little bit longer because people are being pickier about their next job. Yeah. And I get this question all the time because whereas everyone everyone says, well, it's like 9-11, people reassessing their lives. No, 9-11 was about, you know, changing your whole lifestyle. Where do I want to live now? Do I want children or do I not? They were questioning their whole life. The great resignation is more about, I don't want to work for a lousy boss anymore. I don't want to work for a lousy culture. I don't want to work nine to five anymore because I, I can get my work done in a shorter time. There's no reason for me to be in an office for 40 hours a week. 
So the great resignation is more about, I need to find something that I'm comfortable doing. I want to like my next job. I don't want to feel stuck there. And so companies are scrambling to try to figure out how to get their employees back when everyone has their unique skills and they still have to fill these positions. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for leadership. It's specifically a challenge because they saw all of their employees going. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I don't want to have to do six times the work because Mm -hmm. my employees left. And the other thing that happened with leadership is not only did they see their employees leave, but they said, you know, I think I want to do something different, but Mm -hmm. I have the money to sit here for a year and figure out what I want to do. So the arc of hiring got a little bit longer and a little bit more complicated. Again, now, of course, because of the great resignation, we're heading to a slight recession. Companies are letting people go. Yes. So there's that repercussion from it. For leadership, it's about what do I do next? Now, the interesting part about this is that the number one reason why people left was not for a better salary. People are actually taking a reduction in salary for a more comfortable job. Notice I didn't say a better job, a more comfortable job. They're willing to make less money. It wasn't about salary. Every complaint or most complaints were about the management. I don't want to work with this kind of manager anymore. My manager is horrible. I don't want to work with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think all good points I've seen. And you're right, the great resignation is not just about people quitting and disappearing off the face of the employment landscape. It's often resigning and going to find a better fit, whether it's working for themselves, for a smaller company, for a remote operation. So I hear what you're saying there, and I hear that changes, I guess, like it impacts the both, you know, the hiring company and the candidates, right? Because, like, you know, they're actually now... Um, perhaps in different situations where they're they're up against, let's say, other candidates who are also resigning and looking for new work. And then you have the recession, as you mentioned, something I want to ask you about later, but the recession that's coming or might be coming, we hope not, but um, just the signs of that and how that can lead to company layoffs. Um, and I think it's, it's as if everything's sort of all connected. You know, I think, I think I've heard that the, like, the pandemic was not so much the creator of these awakenings, it was a catalyst. It was what... Yes. Right, like these things were, you know, people were kind of clamoring, talking. There was some chatter about uh, this, these type of issues. People not being happy at their job. People not like like their micromanagement of their office or the politics, or you know, the wanting to work remotely. There were things on their people's radar for a while, and then the pandemic just made people either see how it could be done, well, I can work remotely, or it made them really, you know, hold up a sort of a mirror to their experience and say, you know, this is not what I want to do. And a lot of companies thought they would be more successful with attracting talent if they were more Google-esque. If mm. they acted more like Google, which had, you know, ping pong tables mm. and free lunches and game rooms. And they had what was called Google X, which you could take time off, a day off, something like that, day off every month to mm-hmm. think of a new idea for Google. That disappeared. That went into the went into the abyss. But yeah. but companies thought they saw Google having so much success that they thought, oh, maybe if we get a ping pong table in or oh, mm-hmm. make this more fun. Unfortunately for the great resignation, it didn't work for a lot of companies because they're just not that way. You know, Google is a more liberal company. Right. By a company like IBM, where you talk about like a restaurant company like Wendy's, they're probably going to be more 
conservative and they're not going to go for the ping pong table or the free lunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying too. And also, you know, arguably one might say that from the candidate's perspective, having knowing a place at the ping pong table, you know, or, you know, free lunch or a beer tap at five on Fridays. I mean, I think some people might see that as like sort of, you know, putting a bandaid over yeah. a problem, right? Like, you know, giving someone a candy bar. Yes. For a mass hunger yes, they I have. And yeah, I totally see that. And I actually know some people who the company offers so many, um, so many uh, extras, you mm -hmm. know, and amenities. And because their manager is bad, they're like, no, I still don't want to work here. Even with all these amenities, I don't want to work here anymore. Right. Yeah, they can play pool or ping pong, you know, on their own time in their basement with their son or daughter. Or if The point is, is that because of those surveys that I saw also, if your manager is bad, if mm -hmm. your manager does not know how to manage well, you're going to leave regardless of what they throw at you. Right. Money or otherwise. Yeah. I think all you know, good points is the excellent points there. Yeah, and I'm wondering, I mean, have you seen, we're talking still about how the great resignation changed the world of recruiting. Have Has there been any demographic of workers that's been most impacted by the great resignation? Most impacted. I just think that mm -hmm. the middleman yeah. was impacted first. Like people had to assume their responsibilities after they were gone and mm -hmm. then it affected leadership. Um, I also think that COVID and quarantine heavily affected leadership. I know of um, a, an executive um, an executive human resources colleague of mine was talking about two people who were married to each other who were mm -hmm. in the, the C-suite. They're executives at the same company and yeah. they had some kids. And when quarantine hit, when COVID hit, they had to go, they went home to be with their kids. Mm -hmm. And the company was like, well, we need you to still do what you're doing. And they said, we can't do what we're still doing. We have yeah. two kids at home. We're quarantined. The kids can't go to school. Right. What are we supposed to do? And they yeah. were like, well, we still need leadership. And they're like, well, we can't give you what you need. That kind of stuff happened. So I think it's a combination. I don't think one got hit more than the other. I think they all had just different responses to it. I see. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It really does. I think, you know, the people knew what they needed. And, and I think it was harder sometimes to just give a company the same thing they were doing before when you have Zoom schooling and kids at home or- Yeah, it changes, it's just gonna change. And if you're not going, a company, as a company, if you're not going to change with the times and, and be more human about things, yeah. you're gonna have a problem. I've seen that, you know, too, with other guests talking about the work from home and the HR perspective of how companies that are not going to be flexible, even with the hybrid thing, you know, two days in the office a week, two or three, you know, two, you know, one, one week, three the next, or um, if they're insisting on five days in the office, very often it's just that rigidity that is not really matching the times. And people got used to a different thing than, you know, the daily commute, the daily, you know, kind of drag. And I think they're just not having it. Yeah. Um, so it's, in, you know, all great stuff we're talking about. You know, I, I definitely um, want to move into another question after our commercial break, more about the middle-aged, older employees what yeah. kind of difficulties with ageism that they're facing and such. It's a very good topic. It's a very good right. topic. And that's one that's going to cover, <clears throat> pardon me, after our commercial break. So, you know, for now, let everyone know that you are uh, watching and listening to Employment Law Today on Talk Radio NYC. Our guest tonight, the very talented, very knowledgeable Susie Miller. When we come back, we're going to talk about this issue of combating ageism in the workplace and mainly how to apply for jobs and your 
middle age and older years. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber, an employment law and business law attorney, here tonight with our guest, Susie Miller, discussing issues around candidates applying for jobs and issues of strategy, as well as uh, ageism in in the hiring workforce, in the workplace, and how uh, older employees and candidates can overcome some of those obstacles of ageism when applying for positions. So once again, Susie, it is terrific having you on the show tonight. Glad you can join us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm having fun. Yeah, me too. I always enjoy like, this show every week. It's really, you know, the conversations and the guests, the interesting topics we cover. Um, I've heard good feedback from our audience, which makes me very happy. So let's get to the, the meat of it with the ageism, if we will. Um, and, uh, you know, my question I'm wondering here is that are middle-aged and older employees and middle-aged candidates facing more difficulties with ageism now than before? And if so, what factors do you think are responsible for uptick in ageism in hiring? Okay, so this is a really big topic on social yep. media, particularly LinkedIn. We've got a half an hour. We're good. Okay. What? Sorry? I said, I'm sorry. I said, we've got a half an hour. We're good. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a really big topic for people on LinkedIn because I've seen so many posts recently from middle managers and hires mm-hmm. and, and above saying how they just feel like they're being discriminated against and and companies are going with younger hires and in meetings company decisions are being um the younger people are making the decisions that everyone's going with that kind of stuff they're given the priority um i actually have a couple of colleagues who are working on this very issue 
Um, one of the things is I'm a disc practitioner and they're trying to use disc to address ageism issues in the workplace. So they're actively doing that. They're trying to bridge gaps between the age, between the different ages in the workplace. Okay, so the challenge that I see with landing a job with ageism is that a lot of executives, even though they've done a lot of great stuff and they have so much value and they have so much to give, they don't show it on their resume and they don't know how to talk about themselves. And we're talking about accomplished people who, when I finally get it out of them, they have a page full of value and a page full of impact. And there's no way the hiring manager is going to oversee them. I mean, they're just, they are in, they will, they will, they're going for the right type of job. It's all working. But the, the, the challenge that I get with, with job seekers, with the executive job seekers is they come to me, they don't know where to start. They don't know what they're doing wrong. They don't know how to land that job. And they don't realize that they, that they have to change the way they talk about themselves. The benefit to being mm -hmm. older, the benefit to being over, let's say 45, 50 is you have the experience. Mm -hmm. The older crowd doesn't have that experience. They mm -hmm. don't have all the accomplishments that you have. You have earned as the executive, you as the leadership, you have built your reputation. You have built your expertise. You have yeah. definitely accomplished things and impacted companies. But if you don't know how to demonstrate it, if you don't know how to talk about yourself, if you don't know how to write about yourself, then the company is going to miss that. So that's why there tends to be a problem. Like, yes, I want to hire you. I, you know, I want to, I, I prefer, I prefer, so from the hire's point of view, I want you know, there's energy, new perspective. They know the market, they reach the young people, yeah. but they're not going to have the expertise that the older crowd does that over 45 or over 50 does. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I work with those executives mm -hmm. to help them demonstrate that important stuff. Now, yeah. I get into complications with that. I was working with a finance director who was very frustrated mm -hmm. because he didn't know what he wanted to do next. Now he was a finance mm -hmm. guy. He wouldn't do anything other than finance. He was a finance guy. Mm -hmm. yep. And I could tell that he'd accomplished a lot because I can tell in his most recent position, his most recent company, he had started overseeing one division and had been given two more divisions. So I know that he was very accomplished. But when I talked to him and asked him questions about it, the only thing he could say to me was, Susie, I work really hard and you're not going to understand what I do. Hmm. And my thought was, if I don't understand it, a recruiter is not going to understand it. And you are thinking the recruiters in the industry, the recruiter to understand it, not necessarily. Or who's ever looking at your resume when it comes across that applicant tracking system or you email it in, the person on the other end is going to recognize your talents. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. They're not necessarily right. going to get it. You need to present yourself in a way that shows your value. He wasn't able to do it. He just kept saying, Susie, I work really hard. And I kept telling him, and if you can't express it to me, what you've done, I can see what you've done. They gave you two more divisions for right. a reason. <clears throat> but if you can't talk to me about it, you're not going to be able to talk to anyone else about it. And you're going to be less hireable. Yeah. Another gentleman came to me mm -hmm. who, is, who is a car sales executive, high-end cars. Mm -hmm. His resume had nothing on it. 
his resume is gold now because we mm-hmm. went through and br- again brought out his value. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to talk about yourself and talk right. about the expertise and talk about why the experience matters. You have to be able to write about yourself. If someone mm-hmm. emails you about something, you have to be able to say what it is about you, what's unique about your mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. that fits with what the job needs. Right. You have to be able to talk about yourself to people. Yeah. Um, at every phase of the hiring cycle. Right. Um, so from that point of view, on my end, it gets a little bit frustrating. The hiring gets a little frustrating because people are like, well, ageism. I say, well, ageism, because you don't have a, you don't have a geography problem. You're fine where you are. You don't have a jobs availability problem. There are plenty mm-hmm. of jobs available by you. Right. You don't have a job gap. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. There's a whole other topic. You don't have a job right. gap. That's an issue. You don't even have a COVID problem because recruiters and everyone are forgiving everyone for their COVID time gaps. Yeah. You have a resume problem. It all right. comes down to resume and LinkedIn profile. You have a resume mm-hmm. problem. If your resume doesn't show your value, right. your unique expertise, you're not going to get hired. Right here, you're saying you have to sell yourself and also and, and exhibit and demonstrate why you're important to the company and why they need you and how talented you are. It's not a time to be modest or quiet about right. your accomplishments. But I'm not talking about modest. This is not necessarily modesty. This is not showing off. Right. This is saying, I increased sales 30%. Right. Because I saw mm-hmm. that, I did an analysis because I'm mm-hmm. an analytical person. Mm-hmm. I increased sales, th- I increased revenue 30% because I saw that we needed more sales managers mm-hmm. in this district here. So we hired more sales managers and increased our revenue. Right. That's value add. I looked at the numbers. I saw what we needed. I got it accomplished. Mm-hmm. Our revenue increased. That's not being, I don't think that's showing off. That's just saying, no, just, here's what I can do for you. Here's what I bring right. to you. Right. Here's what, how I can improve your company. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's to be clear, they might think of it that way, but it's actually not being like conceived or boastful. You're not saying just empty statements about, you know, I'm the greatest person in the world, the greatest thing right. since bread. You're saying, because right. of what I've done, someone yeah. will draw the, connect the dots and say, wow, this person is very smart, very talented, very creative, very hardworking, all those things that, you know, your client, I love those, by the way, those anecdotal stories are so helpful because they illustrate people's yes. thought process, how you help them. Yes. But I think it's, it's a very good point. You know, I do wonder, do you think people have, I'm just wondering about this, a misconception like that if they present all their accomplishments that they, the hiring person might think that that the candidate, let's say, is either A, overqualified, or B, is going to, oh, he's going to take, you know, she, he or she going to take my job. Like, you know, I, I better like, not say, you know, hire that person. Like, if they're the smartest person in the room, I want that to be me. Do you, could that be what the candidates, is that even an issue people worry about? You know, like If to- you are looking for the right type of job, yeah, it's not an issue. I see. If you are looking for the right type of job that matches your experience, it will not be an issue. If you've done sales for 100 years and they're looking for a sales assistant, you're not going to match. I mean, that's a silly example. But my point is is that if you go for the right type of job, your chances zoom up of you Mm -hmm. being successful. Now, Mm -hmm. the other thing that comes in part here is 
Mm-hmm. Soft skills, leadership skills. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many executives come to me with a resume that is filled with technical skills. I did this. I used Excel. I did this. I used, I don't know, Salesforce, whatever. Right. I use this. I use this. I use this. And here's the challenge mm-hmm. is every other executive that's at your level that does what you do has used those same yeah. things. Sure. You look like mm-hmm. everyone else. So mm-hmm. what comes in is being a disc practitioner, I run a disc assessment on them to determine their unique leadership skills that are unique to them. And then mm-hmm. I ask questions about their leadership impact and their leadership value based mm-hmm. on those, based on that assessment, based on those skills, those softer skills. That always helps because if you're an executive and you're an IT director, how many IT directors are there out there? Okay. Mm -hmm. You can't just compete against other IT directors based on your technical skills because pretty sure at that level, you're all going to have the same technical skills, the technical Mm -hmm. know-how. You've been doing this for a while. So your soft skills and your leadership skills, that's what's going to make you the better candidates as you have that's going to make the difference in your value add in your expertise is showing how your brand of leadership has impacted the company as an IT director. Right. It sounds to me as if perhaps some, some of the executives out there, you know, who are looking for jobs and people that come to you, Susie, sounds as if maybe some of them might be underestimating the value and the value add of those soft skills, whether it's totally, right, oh, they totally interactions, are. They, yes. They are totally underestimating the soft skills and mm-hmm. soft skills are what hiring teams are looking for because yeah. they know you've got the hard skills. The hard skills, we will disqualify you immediately if you don't have the hard skills. As a right. recruiter, I know that you will be disqualified if you don't have the basic hard skills. Mm-hmm. But it's the soft skills as executives that they want to know about. How did you enhance the team? How mm-hmm. did you improve the process? How did mm-hmm. you increase revenue? Those are the juicy things that they're looking for in the candidates. And sometimes for me, it's like pulling teeth to get mm. them to talk about that stuff. Cause they're like, no, I can do this. Cause I've done, I'm like, yes, we know you mm. can, right? but you have to show it. Mm-hmm. Make it obvious. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about soft skills and the job search. Right. I would, I, I am working with a senior person, senior analyst, Mm-hmm. And I ran a, I ran an assessment on her and it turns out she's going for the wrong types of jobs. Mm. She was, she's going for compliance mm-hmm. kind of jobs, data jobs, behind the mm-hmm. scenes jobs. And then when I ran the assessment on her, it turns out she's an influencer. She's a people person. She develops right. relationships, but she doesn't want to go for that kind of job. So it's going mm-hmm. to be a tough road to hoe, road to hoe. Yep. If, that's the expression. That's the expression. That's the expression. If, mm-hmm. If she keeps on this, I think I should be doing data. I think, well, you're not a data person. So right. you might be a little bit frustrated when you go for the wrong type of job. So I'm hearing you. It's about helping people to see what their soft skills are, helping them to emphasize those soft skills. And, and the impact them, of them. And the right, impact of them. Right, right. And to your point, if it's the right job, then if it's truly the right position, the right fit, the right match, the person on the other end is hiring is not going to say, oh, this person sitting across from me, you know, is more qualified than me or overqualified. They'll say, this is what this job requires. And they just have, they, I know they have the soft skills and the hard skills. I like your point too about the hard skills being almost like a non-start if you don't have them, but soft right. skills wouldn't count. And 
your question reminded me of another story, which is way back when years ago, I, before I only worked with executives, I was working with an interior designer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she had worked in all these places. She was just so talented. She had been mm -hmm. everywhere and worked all these places all around New York, all around New York, the top 1% kind of people. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't give me good stuff. Like I kept asking her, what about this? What about, oh no, we don't have to talk about that. I kept saying to her, well, this is where the juice is. Tell me the good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was because she said, I don't want to blow anybody away. Mm. I don't want to overwhelm anyone. Mm. And I was like, you're not going to overwhelm anyone. <laughs> yeah, they want yeah they want that they want the goods they want your value you're not going to overwhelm everyone and make them feel like no hire that i've ever mm -hmm. known is going to feel small because right. of you right these are excellent in, in these stories i think i hope that our guests can see themselves maybe and see where they might be able to improve and we got our next commercial break but when we come back we'll talk more about you know getting more of this great advice from susie for prepping for a job search or career change. So stick around, folks. You're listening to or watching Employment Law today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, Susie Miller. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight is Susie Miller with some great advice for candidates for jobs and for the career search, particularly for the executive and uh, middle-aged and older uh, group, of which I am now officially a part of, of have been perhaps for a little more time than I care to admit. Um, but, you know, really great advice, Susie. I think people need to hear, in my opinion, your perspective because they have their own perhaps 
premonition that they don't, maybe they underestimate their soft skills, as you were saying, or they don't realize that it's not like just about how you look on paper, it's how you present yourself. So I think we have some great stuff here, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that we're in discussing this topic today, really. Good to be here. It's awesome. It's fun. I like yeah, helping people. It, it definitely is. All right. So we're talking about some of the, you know, difficulties like that middle-aged older folks <clears throat> face and, and perhaps, you know, what's responsible for that. So I guess I want to take it to you and talk about, like, what are some of your methods and strategies for helping your clients? You talked about some of them already, but maybe a little more about that. Some unique methods you have so that people get the job they deserve without being hindered by their age or other methods. Right. So there is a method to all of this madness and it works really well. If you work it, if you follow my methodology, you will land at least one job offer within a week of the right job offer. And at least one, excuse me, at least like one interview within a week and at least one job offer in three months, but it usually takes sooner than that. But again, you got to follow methodology. So what I want people to do, the first thing I want people to do is to reject 90% of job offers, 90% of job postings that they see. And don't just go by the job title. I can't tell you how many people apply to a job that mm-hmm. says director of marketing. And it's going to be very different at one corporation than it is going to be at another corporation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Read yeah. the job posting top to bottom. You right. want to reject 90% of job jobs that you see, including offers from recruiters. Um, That's the first thing because you all, because if you're applying to more than five jobs a week Mm -hmm. and you're not hearing anything back, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing. Reject the job offers. The second thing you want to do is not use the one resume. You really want to adapt your resume to everyone. And it's going to be easier Mm-hmm. Because once you've rejected one of the most, most of those job postings and most of those offers, you're only talking about adapting your resume to two to four a week. That's not that much. If you're being really discerning about the jobs, then you're only applying to um, a few a week. And you're concentrating and focusing down to the right ones. Mm-hmm. The other thing you want to do is emphasize your soft skills and your leadership skills. And I know we talked about this earlier, but I cannot tell you how important this is. You want to change or improve as an executive. If you're job searching, you want to change or improve the way you talk about yourself to people. Stop saying you're a team player. Stop saying you're a good communicator. Stop saying you're you're a team builder. Mm-hmm. Stop saying that you're passionate about your work. Mm-hmm. Yes, that stuff's great to feel, but it's not about you. It's about how your expertise can address the pain points. Mm-hmm. So you want to change your language, mm-hmm. your self-talk, to talk about your value. And what that means is impact followed by how you created that impact. Mm -hmm. I increased revenue 30% because I hired more regional managers after analyzing this district, Mm -hmm. right? You get down to specifics, the impact followed by how you created that impact. And those are the statements you want to make about yourself. Mm -hmm. You can use adjectives. You can use adjectives Mm -hmm. like I am collaborative. I am 
you can use detail oriented. I mean, it's a general one, but you can, mm -hmm. you can use, I am cerebral. Mm -hmm. You can use, I am liberal. You can use words like that, sure. but you want to match them with a value add, match them with an impact. Cause they're, if you go to someone and you say, I'm very cerebral, they're going to go, okay, what does that mean to us? I don't understand. That's great that you are. Right. But how does that benefit us? Like, why am I talking to you about that? Why did you bring that up? Right. So you want to match it with a value add and then you are gold because then you will, when someone asks, why should we hire you instead of the other candidates? You're not going to say, cause I'm passionate and I'm a collaborator and I'm, I right. am a team player because they're going to go, Oh, right. you know, they're not, they're going to listen. If you say, well, because I saw as part of the job, you need X. Mm -hmm. And because I am analytical, I was able to take care of X for this company by doing this. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to do. It's changing the way you write about yourself, changing the way you talk about yourself, changing the way you think yes. about yourself so right. that you're different than other people. Like I said, if you're an IT director, how many mm -hmm. thousands, hundreds of thousands of IT directors are out there? You can't just say you're an IT director. You can't just say you're a human resources executive. That means something different to every company. You want to find a job that has a pain point that you know you can solve. Right. And then address it with your resume and address it cover mm -hmm. letter. Oh, we were, we were supposed to go over cover letters too, weren't we? <laughs> That's right. We can get to that. Maybe another show come back. But, but I love what you're saying because it's like the thinking, the model, changing the thinking from the candidate saying, oh, they're going to hire me because they're impressed with how great I am. So I'll tell them I'm a team player, I'm hardworking, as opposed to they're going to hire me because I can give and contribute this, this, and this based yes. on those other skills, right? So it's like, yes, between yes. you want to be specific. So many people come to me and they say, well, I want, you know, I'm supposed to be general, right? If I'm general, <clears throat> then they'll be interested in me and they'll want to get specifics out of me. No, that's not the way it works. No. It's the opposite. You want to be specific so that they will engage you in conversation mm. and talk to you more about that. The best kind of interviews are the ones that are give and take. So you're figuring out if you are a match. Mm -hmm. The worst kind of interviews are the interrogation interviews because who's ever interviewing you yeah. needs more information because your resume isn't clear enough about what's going on. If your right. resume is clear enough about your value add, then the conversation changes, the interview changes, mm -hmm. and now they're figuring out, are you just a good leader for us? Does the culture match your personality, right? Mm -hmm. If your resume is not good, the recruiter or the interviewer is going to spend all their time. Well, what do you mean by this? What happened right. here? They're not going to be able to get to stuff about whether or not you're a match. Right. Susie, fantastic. Wow. What a way to end and begin. You have so much information there. We've got about two minutes, maybe a minute and a half left. So I want to give the floor to you. Tell us how to reach you. What? All right. So my, my website aptly named is controlyourcareer.net. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a flyer, a free flyer for everyone about how to reduce your job search 90%. As I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. if you'd like that flyer, it's free. Just mm -hmm. um, send me an email at info at controlyourcareer.net. So it's mm -hmm. controlyourcareer.net or info at controlyourcareer.net. If you send me a request, I will send you the PDF about how to reduce your job search 90%.
Wonderful, Susie. Well, we've got about a minute left. I first off, I want to thank you again for being on the show, for giving our audience such a wide, a wider perspective on this very complicated at times and challenging issue of job searching. And you really covered a lot with your methodology and your perspective. So, folks, if you like what you heard tonight, you can check out Susie's website, as she mentioned. And if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your coworkers to tune in Tuesday nights, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m right here on Talk Radio NYC. You can also catch us streaming live on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and the works. So once again, I'm Eric Sovereign, employment law business law attorney, Susie Miller, a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Thank you. Look forward to keeping in touch with you and thank you once again for all your insights. Really thank great. you, everyone. Bye. Have a great night, everyone. Take care. See you next week. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening.
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.